by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hello everybody and welcome to the N17 Women pod. We're here to talk about Spurs women and uh, we're back in the WSL, so that's good news. The result, not quite such good news, but as ever, uh, I'm Sean and I'm here with Rachel, Caroline and Abby to talk us through it all and answer some of your questions as well. How's everybody doing? Yeah, pretty good. Nice to be back in London after a cold, windy couple of days in Birmingham. Yeah, I um, I watched the North London Derby in a Chelsea bar on my birthday, just turned 30. So that's how I'm doing. You had fun then? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope the rest of your birthday was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was better than that anyway. <laughs> yeah, my health has been better. But otherwise, you know, excited for the new year, excited for all the leagues to be back. So. Just happy for football. Well, it was another not very nice experience in terms of the weather at the game. Not quite as bad as the last couple of games before Christmas, but still wet and cold up in Walsall. The lineup that we got, Tinney started in goal against Aston Villa. So interesting to see her back. Obviously, Rianne made a comment at the end of the first half of the season that she was now available again and she was picked to start. Then we had a back four of Amy, Shalina, Molly and Asmita. Uh, with midfield of Angharad, Drew and Cho, and then your front three of Roz, Chi and Beth. So what did we make of that starting lineup? I think happy to see Tinny in goal. And I think as the game went on, and we had a lot of times when Rachel Daly was pressing on the goalkeeper, even more happy to see Tinny in goal, because I had these nightmare visions of what might have happened if Becky had played out and... um, Rachel Daly had stolen the ball from her. Obviously, don't know that that was happening. And there might be lots of other reasons why Tinny was in goal this time. You know, the questions about Amy at fullback remained before the game, but it wasn't surprising to have that back line. I think that we were more surprised to see Cho starting rather than Evelina, because Evelina has tended to be the first choice at uh, defensive midfield. And having no Jess on the bench even was notable partly because we haven't seen her since she went off injured against Everton but we also haven't heard anything about it so that was one that was a kind of bad sign in that we were hoping that whatever had happened to her hadn't been serious but it looks like she is out um, not even on the bench and I think also just having Chi and Roz starting on wide was a wasn't exactly what I was hoping for having more faith probably in Celine in that position but it was great to see Beth starting. So yeah, on the upside, it was good to see Beth starting. I did I did hear through the grapevine that the in this fable behind closed doors friendly, allegedly against Arsenal that we won, Cho had a really good game. So that was possibly why she started this game. But um yeah, I was I was surprised to see her in that starting lineup. And obviously we've got some injuries um if we're if we're starting those three probably. But and well, and as you say we're still unsure, really, aren't we, with Nikki and Celine exactly what the situation is because they don't seem to be getting a lot of minutes. So, yeah, but Celine would have been my choice. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Caroline, Abby, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like this the fitness situation is just always so up in the air this season. So you, you really never know what to expect because, you know, I think perhaps we might have liked to see Evelina starting, but there have been some questions about, you know, her fitness. 
But just the fact that Beth was able to start, I was really relieved by, especially after uh, Rianne's press conference before the game, you know, she kind of implied that she needed to, you know, get some minutes in. And that kind of made me worry that she wasn't going to be available to start, but she ended up playing the full 90. So that's really reassuring um, that we have this player who was ready to come in straight away and uh, produce. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't say any of the lineup particularly surprised or disappointed me. I was kind of like, yep, those are some players on the field. I definitely would have liked to see, you know, I love Evelina and Celine. So obviously I would have liked to see them, but I know that like they both had some not super functional games recently. So I was like, fine, whoever's ready. This is good. This is okay. This is, you know, Beth's up there. That's basically like, uh, yeah, the high and the low for me were like, Beth is on the pitch. Ash is still suspended. Those were like the main two things. So after about 20 minutes, we were forced into a change in that lineup. Still nil-nil at that point. Amy came off and Keris came on. Amy looked, she walked straight down off the tunnel. So what clearly wasn't some sort of injury, but Rianne said after the game that she wasn't feeling well. She was feeling better at half time, but still not feeling great, which seems to be the implication. So a little bit of a worry about that and what that means. But I think many of us would would choose Keris over Amy in the starting 11 potentially and Keris came on and quite quickly made an impact. Yeah I think it's not just a question of Keris because obviously what happened when Keris came on is that she moved to the left but that meant that Azzy played then at right back and I think it's both of them being really kind of excellent fullbacks meant that we had just more creativity than we had previously Um, So if you look at, I mean, I guess we're going to get to it in a minute, but if you look at the goal, they were both involved in the build up to that goal. And it was absolutely critical that both of them were playing for that goal to have even happened. And I just think that it's we've said for so long that we think Amy is a great player. And we know that people who watched her at Man United loved her and that she has a lot of qualities, but she is not she is not a very creative fullback. Karis is a really strong player, both defensively and going forward. Yeah, it's funny because I think that, so I think the two sides were a lot more balanced with Karis and Ismita after that change was made. And and, I'm, and the reason I say that's funny is because the two go- goals were scored down that side after change. And so I, in some ways, like what actually happened doesn't make it sound like it was more balanced, but but I do think it is a lot more balanced. And I, I don't think Amy was having a great game before that as well. So, you know, maybe she just wasn't feeling well for the whole game. Yeah, but I thought like the reason I wasn't disappointed to see Karis out of the starting 11 at first just because she had had that really weak game right before break and I was like oh maybe she needs a little more time I don't know Um, but then she came on and I thought she was great so uh, that kind of addressed those concerns for me and I was really happy to see her. Uh, Yeah Karis was probably my player of the match and I think it's it's just that she brings so much not just on on the attack but also I feel like we can count on her a little bit more defensively as well. And she's really good about organizing the players around her, you know, that leadership factor that you're just not going to get from a player who's new, newer to the team, like Amy, um, which isn't a slight against her at all. But I feel like Karis is the player that I want in the starting lineup. 
when she's available. Yeah, just I would also highlight that up until the point at which Amy went off, Spurs were playing badly. I mean, we did not have very much possession and it wasn't just down to Amy, but it's, again, it goes back to Abby's point that it wasn't that all of a sudden these changes were made and then they scored some goals. They had opportunities before that. They continued to have opportunities through this half. And so this was a change which I think improved one part of what Spurs were doing, but there were a lot of other parts of what Spurs were doing that wasn't working fully and that things weren't joining up. Yeah, there was so many misplaced passes. And like, I think one of the things when I said it balanced things, one way it balanced things was like, Asmita can receive the ball really well and like links up well. And so we suddenly got more like possession abilities on that right side. Whereas on the left side, we got, you know, Karis. So yeah, just better all around. Yeah, and I think that it's weird, but Kara seems to link up very well with Chi. Like, I don't think Chi had a great game, but in all the times when we've seen Chi playing well or contributing to, you know, goals or to, you know, attacking moves, it has tended to be with Keris. And so that partnership seems to work better than Chi and Asmita. And indeed, it did work in this game because that first goal came kind of against the run of play in many ways. But Keris came on overlap with Chi. She played the ball to her. Keris played in a beautiful cross towards the back post and Beth did enough to get it past the keeper. It wasn't the the neatest of goals, but it was a goal and it was Beth England's first goal in a Spurs shirt. So it was important and impressive for those reasons. What did you guys make of that goal? Keris sure knows how to put a ball in, doesn't she? And it was just so important, I think, from a morale perspective not just that Beth got this goal in her debut, but that we scored a goal period, you know, it had been so long since we had scored a goal in the league. And I think, you know, it was October. Like this is our (laughs) first goal since October. Okay. It was like October the 30th or something, but it was October. It's very stark. Yes. And the team and the fans, I think we all needed this just to give a glimmer of hope that we can turn things around this season. And we, you know, we saw from the rest of the game that all the problems have not magically been fixed with bringing Beth England into the side. You know, we still need to improve our build-up play. We need a functioning midfield, but at least there's, there's some hope. Yeah. And like, I think very few other people on the team take that first time and actually get it past the keeper. You could just see the fact that it's Beth England in there and not someone else straight away. I think maybe if Nikki is on the pitch, she gets that as well, but, but Nikki's not on the pitch and she hasn't been on the pitch. So I think, I think it's just great. I think it, I think it's just so promising. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think one of the things I noticed when I watched it back is, and this is what I was saying earlier about Azzy being so key to it is that she started the move on the right-hand side and it then switched to the left and ended up at Chi and then to Karis who crossed it in. But as he was in the box and she was distracting the player in front of Beth to give Beth space. So she had made the run all the way from defense into the box. And I think without her there, it would be much tougher for Beth to get on it. So again, it just highlights the importance of both of our fullbacks in our attacking play. And one thing I love about Karis as well that I was thinking about, especially for this goal, is that do you guys remember Beth said in her welcome interview that, or it was like in the behind the scenes, she was talking about how she's like not the fastest player, but she has to think faster. And that if you think faster, then you've got it made. And she was kind of joking around about that. 
And I think Karis is the player on the pitch who does that best because she is not physically superior. Well, maybe in size, but not in like speed to a lot of the people out there. And so I really just, I love that, like having two people who are just so football smart on the pitch like that. And that goal for me, it was like a perfect link up. You're so right about that. I think even defensively, Karis was doing that in this game because there were moments where I was, because I was talking about her, I had some people watching who don't usually go to games. And so I was chatting about the different players and I was like, oh, Karis, she's really smart. She, you know, and I, and I was like, she's not necessarily going to get back to everything, but she knows how to fix a mistake. She knows how to get into the position where the fact that she is a little bit slower than another player doesn't matter. And you just saw it over and over again in down the wing, kind of winning balls, uh, occasionally having to, you know, knock balls out of play, but in a way that meant that it disrupted their play so efficiently. So we started not well. We got the goal and we thought, okay, here we go. And then two minutes later, we're back to thinking, here we go again. Uh, Dali scored the equaliser for Aston Villa coming down that right-hand side. What were your thoughts on that goal? I have a couple of thoughts. I'm not quite sure what happened still. So maybe you guys can fill in the holes for me. But the one thing I saw that was the biggest problem was Angarad got dragged out of position. And I think coming to help Roz, maybe. And that left an extra player in midfield. And I think it was Cho who couldn't really deal with that. And it was a great shot. I think maybe Tinny should have got to it. But it was really well taken and I I think Kendra Dolly is a really good player and I wish she played for us those are my thoughts on it I think was this the, this the one where Roz lost possession down that side and uh, oh, yes. not quite sure what she was doing really she ended up trying to take too much time I think and just being you know and Aston Villa were you know really hot on on closing people down she lost the ball and then came through to Dali in almost a, a lucky way to some extent. But when you when you see Dali there in that kind of position with that kind of chance, you know she's not gonna she's not gonna be missing that one. Yeah, I think this was the game that really made me realize that the difference between our defense last season and this season is that we we don't have that first line of defense in the midfield like we did last year. Too often we're losing possession in that middle third of the pitch. And so it's not even so much down to like the individual quality of our actual defensive line. You know, I know we've kind of zeroed in on a few of those players at different times this season, but they they've really had to adjust their game from last season because we're not we're not maintaining that possession as well as we did last year. So I I think the re- we really struggled this year to have clarification of role in the midfield with our midfield players. Um, you know, everyone seems to be kind of disjointed in, in what they're doing and not knowing exactly where they're meant to be. And, you know, with Angerad specifically, she was a player that in preseason I I was really hyped on and I thought was going to be very like transformative in our team. And we haven't quite seen the same level from her in, in our actual season. So that that's of a little bit of concern to me. P- part of that might just be that the players who are around her. Like, you know, we've talked about Evelina maybe not being as strong defensively as we thought that she was. So, but then you, you, you look at a team like Aston Villa, who they've been very 
shrewd, I guess, about their recruitment and plugging players in to positions where they were needed. So now they have kind of a very strong team across their lineup. And we, we, we obviously still have some areas of the pitch where we're not as strong. Yeah. I feel like Evelina and Angerad are both kind of like defensive box to box midfielders, which means that they're not really defensive midfielders. And so we have like effectively less than one DM out there. And then also having to take on that responsibility limits their passing abilities and really hurts us in possession because they have to cover the other one in defense. It's just unbalanced. And I think that was one of those, I mean, Evelina wasn't even on the pitch at that point. So I don't know, like that, obviously that wasn't a problem for this goal, but, but I think in general, that was the problem. And I think that Cho also doesn't like Cho is a box to box midfielder, I feel like, and she's very aggressive and makes lots of tackles, but I don't think she provides that much defensive cover. And I think she had an off game. And I think that in this case, like kind of exposed some of the rest of the people on that side and about Roz, like I had forgotten that she lost the ball like that, but now I can picture it so clearly in my mind. I don't know what she was doing, trying to hold the ball up, like in that position on the field. Cause like, that's not what her strength is. And I think I don't, I, I have thoughts on what changed between the first half and the second half, which I'll come on to later, but you'll notice that she didn't have to do that that much in the second half. And then she played a lot better in the second half. So I think it just like, there were a variety of things forcing her into a position where like, you know, she felt that she had to hold the ball up in a situation where she really like shouldn't have been right there. So I think the holding the ball up thing where she, where as he passed it to her and then instead of her laying it off, she kept it was the other goal, the um, the Rachel Daly goal. On this one though, she was involved in just a very weak tackle um, as the ball was coming, sort of bouncing back into the box. And I think that was part of, that was also a part of the first half in that what we kept on seeing in the first half was an inability to predict where the ball was going to be. And so our players were consistently just in the wrong place. And so they were unable to make interceptions. They weren't able to make tackles. And it goes back to things we've talked about in other games, like the Everton game, the West Ham game, where we just feel like we are slower to the ball at every instance. And so we had no control. There was, And that's a big part of why our defence starts suffering is they get really comfortable on the ball. They uh, can play it around, find spaces, create spaces, and we are not stopping that. And they just eventually are going to create space. I mean, any team that has enough of the ball, if they are quite creative, um, will get many more sort of opportunities. And like you say, Kenza Dali played really well. So did Rachel Daly and Hanson and you know, the ex-Arsenal player whose name I won't bother mentioning. Um, and yeah, it was it was one of those games. And in the first half, I think that first goal just seemed really emblematic of what we were not doing. And, you know, it's it can't be helping that we've had so much turnover in the lineup this season, you know, because of those injuries. It's it's hard to to get a rhythm going, not just when it comes to maintaining possession, but also positioning knowing where everyone else is going to be so it's it's kind of a a problem that there isn't a true solution to until we get some more of those players back from injury unfortunately or re-sign maver yeah Yeah. oh that would be beautiful (laughs) that's actually going in my new summoning circle (laughs) (laughs) um and of course not that long later so 
quite quick succession, we went behind again, down that right wing again, Ros losing possession there. Rachel Daly standing by herself in the middle of the box. I mean, of all people to be stood without anybody marking them in the middle of the box, that's the one player you don't want to be doing that. So, again, anything anything new that we learned from that goal? Actually, yeah. So one thing I learned from that goal is that uh, Ismita still has a rash challenge in her, which is fine. She's really young. But she did two of them in quick succession, one to give up a free kick. And then the next where she missed the ball that ultimately ended up, I think there might have been one pass in between, but ultimately made its its way to Rachel Daly unmarked in the middle of the box. And I had not seen that from her before. I have found myself saying this about like various men's players over the year, like you can't make that rash challenge there. And so I feel like that's something she has to cut out of her game, but she's young, she's still learning and she has so much to offer elsewise that I'm, I'm happy to give her the time to cut that out of the game. But that was one thing I noticed there. Yeah. I think that's because she passed off to um, Roz. And then, so when Roz lost it, she was in the wrong position because I think they were primed to be going forwards and so yeah she did she was running back and making a challenge where she wasn't going to get the ball or the player luckily in this case but um in another case it might be the player and not the ball yeah well like right before that she very much took somebody's ankles out uh and so like yeah that one the the first one was worse and like I knew they had scored I was watching the game on a delay so I knew they'd score they were about to score and I assumed it was going to be from the first free kick that she had given up. And then when it wasn't, I was like, oh, actually, we did a really good job clearing that free kick. Like We had a couple that we cleared really well right around that time. But unfortunately, you can't leave Rachel Daly unmarked in the box on open play. So, Yeah, it's kind of like the 101 of how to play Aston Villa is don't let Rachel Daly get the ball in the box. I mean... She scores. This is her ninth goal now. She's this. Uh, they've only scored four goals that I think, you know, she hasn't had either the assist or the um, goal. One of which was Kenza Daly's that we got to have. But she's I mean, she's so good. I have to say it was actually a painful pleasure to watch her play in that she just marauded. She like hung you know she was always on the shoulder of the last defender often just slightly offside pulling back going offside she was constantly making herself known and creating problems and probably putting both Shalina and Molly slightly off balance um because they're always thinking about whether or not you know she's about to go and because there were so many through balls which in this instance they were all slightly over hit and so um tinny was able to get them but in another day with a slightly better pass maybe slightly less wind or rain or whatever you know she if she was onto those balls she would have been in the 101 yeah she's dangerous anyway that doesn't really relate to this goal but it's just like she was you know it just really reminds us how lucky aston villa are to have her and what shame we don't but we've got beth england now who has also scored with her one chance well no i guess she had two chances so you know, she's got a 50-50 ratio now. We went in at half time, 2-1 down, and Rianne made some changes. At that second half, we saw um, Cho and Chi coming off and Evelina and Celine coming on. And from what we've already said, I think the, uh, the, the probably what we're all going to say is we were quite happy to see that happening. Um, yeah, I, I don't think... think that 
that she had had quite as much impact in this game as I would have liked to see from her. You know, she was involved in the buildup to the goal, but otherwise, you know, there there were large stretches of the game where she had been fairly anonymous. So I, I was I happy to see the changes. And I think, honestly, call me crazy, but I think when we brought Celine onto the wing as Roz's counterpart, Roz actually had a better second half. Um, and obviously some, some aspect of these changes unlocked a part of her game that we were not able to see in the first half. So yeah, good, good changes from Rianne in this case. I guess just to sort of add to the comments on she, I actually thought she had a really bad game. So it wasn't just that she was anonymous, but what was, because she was playing down the wing that was the side that we were sitting on. So we got to see a lot of her and she spent a lot of time making decisions and she was receiving the ball with her head down. And it was one of those things that was just, you know, she's a she's a good runner. And when she's got space, she can, you know, like she got the ball to Karis and that's great. But there were so many times where she was getting the ball and taking too long and getting closed down and that would be a turnover. So I think that she had a pretty bad game, not just a sort of, you know, not very relevant um, game. And I mean, Cho, in a way I had less opinions about, but she just, her presence was not being felt anywhere. And so it wasn't, so for me, she was the more innocuous one in that she seemed very ineffective. Yeah, I think one thing that happened when Cho went off and Evelina came on is that, and I don't entirely understand how this happened. And maybe part of it was like Celine dragging defenders around but suddenly there was Roz was just in tons of space, sort of like in the middle third. And she was doing really well with it, which is I kind of forgot she could do that. <laughs> and um, I think something about that changed just and maybe I think there was also a tactical instruction for her to stay wider because I kind of noticed she was hanging out on the wing more than she had been in the first half. But yeah, something about it just dragged their players out and like allowed her to do things that I haven't seen her do in, in months. So that was really neat. And I, I think it was part personnel, part, part, part like tactical instruction. Can't really put my finger on it though. I'm going to need to rewatch. I think you're right about Celine though. I mean, she was making so much happen, but also, I mean, Evelina. So we often saw both of them as, you know, in the box alongside Beth in the, and then sometimes Drew. And so it did feel like all of a sudden there were more players attacking and attacking regularly. But of course, a lot of that was around making the interceptions and winning balls in midfield. And Celine was really on fire in terms of that this game, as was Evelina. So I think both of them were sort of ended up with as many interceptions as any other Spurs player, despite only playing half a game. Yeah. I noticed that like, one thing that Evelina had stopped doing for a while was I remember last year she would just draw tons and tons of fouls and she would just constantly be on the ground. And I felt like in the game today, I saw her like drawing those fouls again. And I am just going to choose to believe that means that the Evelina that we know and that I love is back. (laughs) I don't know. That's it. We all want to muddy Evelina. Yeah. 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 Her her kit needs to be filthy by the end of the game. If she yeah. hasn't caused like two players to get yellow cards, I I don't want to I don't want to see it. <laughs> I certainly think that Evelina was back more to uh, the, the Evelina we love from last season, and um, maybe having a uh, forty-five minutes on the bench to think about it uh, gave her some uh, gave her some something to to do with that. And Celine played 
yeah, brilliantly for her part as well. And as you say, Roz played a lot better. And actually, I've I've always said that Roz is a winger. She wants to be a striker, but she's a winger mm-hmm. for me. And there were a couple of really good balls into the box from Roz, some crosses in that if there had been somebody there, we might have got a couple more goals. So there was potential there. And, you know, we we have been disparaging about Roz earlier on in the season. But I think we saw in this game actually some real potential I mean, some more link-up play with Drew a little bit. Obviously, we know they're good friends and and things. So maybe things are starting to come together in that regard uh, as well. So that, but that second half starting 11, given that Ash is not available, I think is probably our strongest 11 for the time being. Yeah, I I agree. I think potentially, yes. I was a bit impatient for Nikki to come on. She came on, we're going to get to that. She came on right at the end. I think just because it, creates a different kind of dynamic her coming on earlier either for drew which is who she came on for or potentially moving drew out wide and nikki coming centrally or something i don't know how much whether that would work but i think just having nikki on does something that the other players don't and it would have been good to see more of that the only thing i guess i would say in terms of like we've been praising selena a lot i think that she you know again we've said previously she is still learning there are things that are not perfect in her game her passing and her crossing is still not yet her strength. Her strength is the chaos that she causes, which is fantastic. And we don't have another player who does that. So I'm all up for her doing that, you know, the dribbling, the kind of getting out of tight corners, the creating new opportunities. But it's sometimes her end product did sort of lead to a turnover. Yeah, I noticed that as well. I just, she just does a lot of things like that people need to be concerned about. And if she could just like tune some of those up a little bit and like maybe work on her understanding with some players, like she's already, her numbers look great. (laughs) They just look fantastic already, even though we have not been playing well. And so she could just tune up a few little things. Like she's going to be so good. Uh, So the second half, I think we played better, but nothing much happened. And the final throw from Rianne was in stoppage time. So I think we were 90 plus three or something before Nikki came on for Drew. What, what were your feelings about the second half? We obviously um, ended ended the game still at 2-1. Well, just as far as, you know, that final substitution, I, I think that was my only real complaint about Rianne's management performance um, in this game because I, I wanted that to happen sooner. You could see Drew was running out of gas way before that. And we know that Nikki is a player who's been on some minutes restrictions, which we get. But I think being a little more proactive with that change would have been nice just because I don't think Drew is a player who can last a full 90 at this point. So and and in a lot of ways, they have a somewhat similar skill set in terms of like their hold up play. So just seeing that change earlier would have been nice. And I think possibly could have been the difference between getting a point and getting zero. Yeah, I agree. I think also. You know, and I was thinking about this, you know, back when we were talking about how the season had gone so far and our new signings. And I was saying that statistically Drew is our best signing so far, but she is still underwhelming in some ways. And she's frustrating because sometimes it feels like she is either not bothering or running out of energy. And it's obviously the style and the way she plays, but it isn't always effective. And so, again, I'm not entirely certain about having her on for the entire game, every game. Because I think that it maybe means that we have like one fewer player doing some of the pressing and some of the running that we're going to need to do, given the quality 
of our team versus some of the teams we're going to be playing. And it was one of the things I really liked, actually, which I was really happy about, is there was a throw in came from one of the sides quite close to sort of quite close to where we were attacking. And Beth just told Drew to get on and to start pressing on another player. And it was really, I was loving the fact that Beth was able to do that because I don't think there's anyone else in our team who would feel the confidence to tell Drew what to do. Maybe um, Keris, but, you know, she's often going to be playing in a very different place. And so, yeah, I just like that dynamic. I like the fact that Beth is on it and is wanting to do that and wanting to make other players play up as hard as they can. More generally, in terms of um, the second half, I think I was thinking about this after the game. I kind of tweeted quite optimistically that we had seen, um, you know, things were improving and it was good to have seen a game in which we played better in the second half and that we were keeping the ball we were progressing the ball effectively as well as the fact that we'd actually scored a goal in the game and so in terms of how we were playing I felt like that second half was much more similar to for example the first half we played against Leicester going back to like literally the first game of the season where I felt all this optimism about the fact that we could create patterns and we just had to like you know fine tune them and we would start getting goals it's a little late in the season to be getting that kind of feeling um but it was nice to have it at the end of the game and it's so rare for us to have played better at the end than we did at the start that that also felt like a novelty yeah and I think like yeah two things one is that I did feel throughout the game even at the beginning when we were like not doing well in possession I still felt like I could see our identity in this game uh, and I think it goes back to like the long balls they were trying to play over the top to Rachel Daly. I felt that like we were doing enough to at least make them bad balls. That's obviously not the entire way we wanted to play. And then in the second half, our identity like really started coming through. And I really like to see that. It is frustrating to me that like seeing how our players tired in the last 20 minutes, it, it was frustrating to me that we wasted 25 or 30 minutes of energy playing badly at the beginning when we could have just been playing well apparently so I just found myself like watching players run out of gas and I'm like okay but like what if we had like used our energy when we were able to get Beth England to the ball that would have been really cool I mean I did kind of feel that that Aston Villa in the first half were, were much more running particularly Rachel Daly there was a lot more running going on from them in that first half and the second half they slowed down as well so I think that helped us in the second half as well to uh, from that perspective um but yes we'll, we'll come on to fitness a little bit later on we've got a question but let's think bethany england's first performance in a spurs shirt we ought to mark that overall are we are we still enthusiastic about her signing or uh or are we uh or are there anything we're concerned about with that I'm very enthusiastic still about Beth, you know, not just because she got that goal on her debut, which you you really cannot ask for more from a new signing, but just the fact that she seemed to pretty quickly understand her, her role in the team is really encouraging. I think we still need to, if not bring in some new pieces, at least improve the pieces around her so that she's getting more service and more regular service. Because I, I I think she can she can produce, you know. So for me, it was like a I don't know a minus performance. We have to dock a slight slight amount because she missed that chance at the end. But overall, I liked what I saw from her. Yeah, me too. I uh, I really liked that performance. I I was also happy to see her like 
pressing, which is something that she hasn't done as much of in the past compared to the other forwards that she's been with at Chelsea. I think obviously she's still learning the patterns. There were moments where it was very clear to me that she was like, well, that other players were still developing an understanding of where she was going to be on the pitch and vice versa. And I just found myself thinking there were so many times I was like, oh, wow, like this is just going to be like great data for her. And like, I can't wait for her to have conversations around these things with the players around her. And I think like it's going to ramp up and get even better. So yeah, I'm thrilled with her. I think, I hope, and I also think that it's going to get even better, but we do need to sign a few more players. Yeah, I absolutely agree on the signing more players, getting her better service, especially for, us, for in the first half, there were moments where it felt like she was actually having to drop deep and try and pick up the ball. That isn't the thing that she is best at, although she occasionally was quite effective in doing that. I think in the second half, we saw her combining with players in a way that was surprisingly good, given how little time she spent in the team. Especially, I noticed with Celine, most obviously, but also with Azzy, with Evie. So, yeah, really happy about that. Obviously, really happy she scored. And I'm actually more excited about her than I was because I had, I really have the sense that she's going to be a leader. And I think that we really need a leader to push the team to do more and to do better. And so that excites me in a way that I think we haven't seen from any of the other new players in the team who came in in the summer so good signs and we're looking forward to seeing more of Bethany England I think there was a slight concern from the pre-match presser that Rianne was talking about Kit not being ready to come back yet and we'd all been putting quite a lot of hopes in Kit being back soon and bringing some of that creativity so puts a bit of the onus back on looking at the transfer market and again Rianne was saying the problem isn't finding players it's finding players who are better rather than just more um so obviously at the moment we have got concerns about depth with injuries and things but i i personally i think it's it's great that the ambition is there to want better players rather than just increase the depth and i would i mean i think again bethany england's parents were sat behind me during the game and they were saying that rihanna has been after bethany england for quite some time so i think again it's about um actually We don't know what's going on behind the scenes and there's a little bit to be said for patience and because we do want those decisions to be the right ones, we do want better players or or better players in those particular positions, which we've talked about a lot, rather than just somebody else coming in who's going to do a similar kind of job to what we've got already. Do you agree? I do agree because I think with our some of our summer signings, perhaps those were situations of someone who is just doing the same job and not necessarily improving the team. I don't know. It's, it's frustrating to hear that Kit is going to be out for quite a while more. It sounds like, because I think she, if, if she returns and is at, you know, similar level as she was before her injury, which is a big, if I think she immediately improves our team and solves a lot of our issues we've had regarding like lack of creativity and, just understanding of roles in the midfield. But if we can't count on her coming back soon, I feel like that's immediately an area where we we have to be looking in the transfer market to bring someone else in. But I think with Beth signing, we have to give the club some credit because, you know, this was a big show of ambition. This is a player who's at her peak, has the leadership qualities like Rachel talked about, you know, 
that's that's the kind of player that we want to be attracting to the club at this moment. And we have to acknowledge that we did get her. And that's a positive sign that that things are going in the right direction. We just have to build on that and not sort of backslide into these signings that don't really improve the team. Yeah, I think I agree in general. I There is a little part of me sitting here going like, are you really telling me none of the many all-purpose midfielders who have become available in this window are better than Cho? Are you really telling me that? Like, But then there's like so many other things that go into it. Like Cho is a backup for us. And so why would like Jordan Nobbs, for instance, want to come sit on the bench? I don't know. They're not, I don't know that they're really equivalent players, but like there is some extent to which like I, I, they may be like a positional fit, which is what I was initially thinking of, but they may not be a fit for the team or for like their goals. And we can't like rip the whole thing up just to accommodate like a player who may not actually fix the problems in midfield. So I I do largely agree with that. We're never getting Jordan Nobbs at Spurs. Oh yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. (laughs) No, I'm happy to not have Jordan Nobbs at Spurs. Totally fine with that. Like acknowledging that she's a good player. Don't want her at Spurs. I think we could, yeah. But <laughs> the first name that came to mind to be totally honest but yeah no I I'm with you on that one but that said I you know I mean on the one hand I don't want to have a whole load more mediocre players um or players that are sporadically decent but at the same time we had four outfield players on the bench we used every single one of them which means that we couldn't even use a fifth substitution if we wanted and I think one of the things I've in the past been a little bit critical of Rianne about is that she doesn't use substitutes creatively like she used substitutes when somebody is not playing well if they're injured or at a certain time you know to give yeah just to allow different people to have a bit of time but she doesn't use them to change the game and I feel like you don't have to necessarily have players who are better you could have players who are different who will enable us to play differently so much as I want better players, ideally, I would also be happy to have a deeper bench of players who were decent and could d- bring a different aspect to the game sometimes. You know, and it's one of the reasons why, for example, I mean, we're happy when Nikki came because she was a striker, but it's also like she's a big, you know, she's the big player up top. And like, that is good. I'm happy to have that sometimes. And that's why I wanted her to come on, not because she is definitively better than Drew, but she would have changed the way that we played in that game. And I think there's scope for that. And I would like to see some more players, especially if Rihanna is talking about Kit not coming back until, I mean, you know, she was very skeptical about January or February. Um, so it sounds like it's going to be late February, early March at the earliest, which is a long time. I mean, she was injured in November, so that's almost a year and a half. Yeah, definitely some concern there around injuries and, and, and where players are at. And obviously we've got the um, disappearing midfielder too. In, that uh, is in, true. I think we should start. villa. <laughs> I, I was thinking we should start a hashtag of like, where is Ramona? Because I don't know where the, f- I mean, I, the only thing is I don't want to be mean if it is something personal, but it's a long time and we've heard nothing. And now we've got this one starting with Jess. At least we know that in Jess's case, it probably is an injury, but again, nothing. And in her press conference, Rianne just kind of in, in, in sort of suggested that it was really just a few people with minor injuries who were out. And yet, in Jess's case, if she is still out since Everton, that's probably not a minor injury. 
Yeah. And there was there was some hints that Ramona was coming back and we started to see a little bit of her in training and then gone again completely, I think. So it's a it's a very weird situation. And as ever, the comms from Spurs has not been the best in terms of letting us know what's going on with everybody. Uh, so I think there is some scope for uh, for for improvements. We yet to see what happens with Esther. Of course, she's back from Coventry and Grace Pierce. Gracie Pierce has gone off to Bristol, who've got a win this weekend. So um, a bit of a change in, in backup players and defence there. I think we have got some scope for a couple of players to come in, particularly if, if Kit and Rhea are not going to be back imminently. But again, with squad sizes the way they are, and again, I you know talking about this, you know the the top four top four teams stockpiling players. You know when we are starting to see players starting to get bored of that, but only just and only only those players who've got a real serious chance of missing out with their countries because of it. So you've seen Jordan Nobbs and you've seen uh, Bethany England move because of those reasons. So hopefully other players will start to go. Oh, you know what? I could go somewhere else and actually play football. Um, whereas until recently, I think they've all been like, oh, but I'm not going to win anything anywhere else. But sometimes it's not, well, lots of times football isn't about winning. Let's face it, for most for most fans and for most players, winning isn't what football's about in terms of winning trophies and things. It's about other things. So let's hope some more players get in on that action. Yeah, the last thing I would say regarding transfers is that I just think it's important for the club to be proactive with this because we've seen what happens if we stand still, you know, Aston Villa is a perfect example to look at because if they had just done their summer business, maybe we could keep up with just the addition of Beth England, but now they've also brought in two very experienced midfielders. And, you know, I think that's kind of making the difference. And you, you hear people say Tottenham should be beating a team like Aston Villa and I think that the calculus has changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think this game, I was literally just thinking about this when we were talking about Ramona, because it reminded me of how uh, we conceded to a headed goal from her last time we played Aston Villa. And it was making me think like, imagine if we could play that Aston Villa team with this side. I was like, if we played that way in the second half, I'm sure we would have smushed them like with Beth England up there. And I just think the team has gotten so much better. Villa was like actively bad last year and it was like a travesty that we lost to them. And just like thinking like, oh, and it was Ramona who scored that goal. And like, where is she? I was like, man, like we actually have come a long way in some ways, like all the pieces haven't fit together. But the problem is, is that Aston Villa have come a lot farther. And not just yeah. Aston Villa either, you know? Yeah, yeah, not just Aston Villa. It's like, it feels like the whole league is getting better around us sometimes, and that can make it hard to, to feel like we have improved. But I, I, I'm starting to think perhaps that we have. Yeah, I was thinking one of the things that we saw at Villa was as well, um, Kirsty Hansen had a really good game, and she is a lone player who had come from Man United in the summer, and we talked previously about how both Villa and Everton have benefited from, you know, really clever use of lone players, so not just a lone player, as in Victoria Schneiderbeck, who plays for two games, but a lone player who actually comes in and makes a difference. I think there's an issue there in some ways, though, in terms of perception from those bigger clubs, so I think because of the name Tottenham, and also because of the way we played last season, 
there has been a perception potentially that we are more dangerous than Aston Villa and loaning us players is more likely to be dangerous to them. And I think also the the um, come back to the, the Jill Scott factor and add to that the Rachel Daly factor of players who are playing with the England players going away and saying, actually, no, this is a really good place to be. I really like it here. And those players have wanted to go to non-London clubs. So again, you know, there are a few factors in there that aren't really within our control that are actually affecting us. We've got to find a way of dealing with those. Don't get me wrong, but I think we have to acknowledge that being a London club is hard because there are lots of options in London. And if players don't want to be playing in London, we're not going to get them to play for us. Uh, And we have to acknowledge that the strength that we've had can be a downfall when you're looking at getting in loan players. But the other game I want to talk about from this weekend, which has an impact on us for next weekend, is obviously the game where we saw Leicester getting their first points of the season. They uh, beat Brighton well and truly three goals to nil. Uh, Brighton obviously have got a bit of an injury crisis and have got a new manager and, and lots of things going on. But they did lose by three goals to nil to Leicester, who hadn't even got a draw before that this season. And guess who's playing Leicester next weekend? How are we all feeling about that match now? It's, I mean, it definitely feels more important now and a lot more intimidating because, you know, it it seemed like Leicester had no signs of life this season and in credit to them, they've responded. They've made some transfers. Um, I think in particular, their new goalkeeper that's on loan was a really smart transfer. This is someone who played in the Champions League with Bayern Munich. So, I mean... they had conceded, I think it was, it looks like 25 goals already this season. Um, and she got them the clean sheet. So sometimes one player really can make that much difference. Yeah, I think we recognize, I mean, you know, we had a good game against Brighton, but Brighton haven't been a consistent basket case. They have been getting their act together a little bit um, prior to this game. And so the fact that Leicester was able to find spaces and kind of work the ball through them quite effectively three times to score, you know, three goals is a sign of, um, yeah, that they're going to have a lot more confidence. I mean, a three nil win isn't a one nil win. It's the sort of thing that does give you confidence. And this game is really going to be a must win for us now because after this, we play Chelsea, Manchester City and Manchester United is our next three. I can't remember the order, but they're our next three WSL um, games and we might get a point out of one or two of those and I would be very happy if we did but to rely on getting points in those games is you know not really something we can do and so that means that this is the next lot of points that we are likely potentially to get for four games and if we don't get another three points and go up to 12 points We are dangerously close to Leicester, who, if they beat us, would come within three points of us already and then have another three games to make up the next three points. But also Liverpool, who, you know, on the upside had an absolute disaster of a game against Man United, but also Brighton and Reading, who are only just below us. So I think we're in danger of getting into the relegation battle very fast if we don't beat Leicester. If we draw it's slightly better but not a whole lot we really need those three points so a big weekend ahead for us okay let's try and distract ourselves a little bit with some questions from your listeners um 
Kirsty, I think we will come to your question in another pod because we've uh, been talking for a while already. So we'll come to the question about expiring contracts um, another time. But good, great question there. Let's start with Johannes. And he says, what is the reasonable ex- expectation leading on from Rachel's point there um, for the rest of the season, given our current situation with injuries and league position, etc.? This is probably a somewhat negative way of phrasing it, but I honestly feel like it's damage mitigation at this point. Cause we've known for a long time that, that breaking into that top four was not going to happen this season. Um, and at this point, I think it's just making sure that we reestablish ourselves as being at the top of that best of the rest pack, because we don't want to have that reputational hit of getting dragged into a relegation scrap and becoming suddenly a club where players are not feeling good about the future and not, and not being an attractive prospect for the kind of top quality players that we want to be attracting. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think that's realistic. I think if, and we were thinking about that pack of teams that are below the top, which you know seemingly includes Aston Villa, Everton, West Ham, and us potentially. If we drop from that pack into the Brighton, Reading, Liverpool, Leicester pack, I think some of the stuff you said is going to be the consequence. And so, you know, in an ideal world, I would like to finish above West Ham and at least battle it out with Everton and Aston Villa. I'm not so sure that is going to happen. And it really, a lot of that is going to depend, as I said, I think on this next game, not just for the points it gives us, but I think it just, it sets us up in a position where we might take a point off of one of the top four teams in those games and that we then come back to face some of the other teams with a little bit more optimism. I agree. I think this next round of games is just so crucial because if we just don't win any of them, I think then we're going to be in real trouble. And I don't like to think about that, but uh, I think we can still, I'm pretty confident that we'll come in probably somewhere between sixth and eighth. I'd love to see us do better than that, but I don't know. Aston Villa are looking pretty good, man. I think, I don't think West Ham are very good. I think they've had all of the luck we haven't had. I think they have had, I think they're actually, it sucks because they're turning things around now and now they're actually starting to get better. But for a large part of the season, they were playing horribly and just winning anyway. And so I still just don't see them finishing ahead of us, but they just have amassed so many points at this point that I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So um, another question comes from Jacob, this time one that we've kind of discussed a bit before and I think was was evident again. He wants, he said, I'd like you to discuss fitness. I think we regularly look slower getting to the ball, weaker in 50-50s and somewhat short of energy. I regularly come away from games feeling like the other team were better athletes. I think we've spoken about this before and certainly felt earlier on in the season that that was the case that we were just feeling like other teams felt like they were more had more players just because of the way they were pressing and and charging us down don't think this game made us feel any differently about that Uh, I I kind of disagree I think we saw a little bit of improvement in that aspect in that the second half we looked much more energized and at the point where the Aston Villa players looked to be tiring I, I thought that for the most part our squad still had a little something else to give Drew and Engrad being the two exceptions there. Um, But, you know, I mean, they're two of our older players, so that's not necessarily surprising. But then again, you know, this is where it comes into Rianne being a little more proactive with her substitutions, which is hampered 
by our injury crisis. <laughs> so it all, it's kind of just like a vicious cycle right now. I feel like with the fitness question, um, but surely there are things that the medical staff could be doing to set the players up for success a little better, whether that's like recovery. I don't know. It's a tough one. Cause this is not an area where we have a whole lot of insight either. Yeah. I like, I just keep feeling all season. I keep feeling like there's something that other teams have started doing that we haven't. And I don't know what it is because we don't have any insight into this. Uh, one thing I noticed today, I did think we were quite off it in the first half. And I, I personally did not feel much better about our fitness today, just because I couldn't separate like us picking things up in the second half versus Villa stepping off because they were ahead and like, just trying to like take it down a notch and like slow it down and hold their lead. I probably need to go back to watch more carefully. But one thing I did notice between the first half and the second half was I remember the first time I saw Celine touch the ball um, she she lost it, but she instantly turned around and like was already playing the ball again and like won it again. And that made me think about this kind of like whole body, like proprioceptive fitness of like she is quick, she is fast, and then also her brain is doing the same thing that her feet are doing, and it looks so smooth and so like she lost the ball. Yeah. But like she instantly recouped it and like instantly got that second ball. And it made me realize that that was one of the things that was missing in the first half or like seeing the way Rosella was accelerate, like explosive in the second half in a way she wasn't in the first half. Uh, and other players as well. I noticed running more and faster in the second half. And I was just wondering, I was like, what is missing in the first half? Like why can't all our players be as like proprioceptively quick as Celine like why is there it's like the brain isn't reacting fast enough and it makes us look slow and I don't know why I don't think we'll ever know why I don't think we're gonna really ever get an answer on this one because we have no idea we don't know if the fitness staff has turned over behind the scenes we don't know whether every other team in the league started like taking caffeine pills or something I know I'm just joking they obviously didn't do that but like we just don't know yeah, they were advertising for a new fitness lead for the women's team at some really? point, but it was uh, it was during the season. So it was at a point where we were already having problems because I remember thinking, please get someone decent in. And I think it goes back to that, that understanding of fitness, doesn't it? Of like fitness is both things. Fitness is being able to play in the game, but fitness is also not getting injured and being ready to start the game. And obviously that latter one has not improved at all. And we are just every game, more players are out or are temporarily injured you know have a small problem or they can't play the whole 90 minutes and that has got to be something that the team is working on and I guess I had that mild optimism of Caroline like okay well we did that we did last the, to the end of the game and we were getting the 50 50s a little bit better but I think that goes back to Abby's point which is it's not just fitness I mean fitness is probably part of it and I do think that we lack some fitness but it is also that sort of brain energy the sort of concentration the focus the sort of vision of where you should be going and how that links with what you're doing with your body and I think what when you were talking about Celine knowing where the ball was getting the second balls it reminded me of that moment I think it was in the first half with Drew 
where she like the ball kind of bounced up into the air and she just literally sort of stopped and turned around and didn't know where it was and it kind of it was one of those things that seems like it took an age even though it probably didn't and eventually you know it bounced somewhere where she wasn't you know looking or going and somebody else you know one of the Aston Villa players took it and that was that but it is that thing isn't it about you know being aware and having the energy as well to then change direction and go after that second ball. And that's where we're lacking. Yeah. Like it literally made me wonder, I was like, are we like not doing all of our training on the ball or something? Like, I know that's a really old concept in coaching, which is like, when you do speed work, you do it with the ball. When you do tactic work, you do it with the ball. When you do position, like any number of things, you always have the ball at your feet. And watching that, I was like, are we like not doing that or something? Is like that what the problem is? Like, anyway, the other thing that I, that I wanted to say about this game that made me not have any idea what will happen going forward with our fitness is that we made two halftime substitutes and we usually don't do that. And so us having energy throughout the whole game, uh, I think also like the two players like Celine and Evelina who came on and were 45 minutes, only, only getting 45 minutes in their legs were really pivotal in how we played that half. And so I'm hesitant to say something has turned around just because the circumstances of this game were a little bit different. I think we brought on two halftime substitutions against Everton, though, and that just went from bad to worse. Not blaming the substitutions, but that game from my mind. (laughs) I just remember because it was Haz and Naz, and we were laughing about the like Haz and Naz substitution that they both came on. I'm pretty sure it was a halftime one, but we were already in the pits of despair by the point they came on. Scott, you asked about our issues defensively. I think we've mentioned that, and I think we've come to the conclusion the problem isn't primarily the defence; it's the lack of defensive midfielder the lack of Maver in that in that hole uh so one quick last quick question which we did discuss before Christmas and I'm hoping the answer is is not going to be lengthy because it's we've discussed it before but JC says is it time for Rianne to leave no no and I you're right we've we've talked about this before and I don't think our answer has necessarily changed and I don't think this was a a result that was bad, but there were still reasons to hope from the performance. And I I think my opinion is still just that there are factors out of her control. And I would hate for that to be the reason for her to leave when I think she still deserves some time to turn it around. I guess my only qualm on that is, it's like, let's see what happens in the next game. I think this is a chance against Leicester to show what she can do as a manager because it is a team that we should be able to beat and so some of it is going to be about setup organization it's about who starts and it is going to be about what substitutions get made and it's you know in some ways tactics are going to be really important my worry would be that if we lose that game or you know we don't play well and then we lose start losing games against the top four which is highly likely that at some point the board decides to sack Rianne after the end of the transfer window and quite honestly I would rather if somebody new was coming in that they came in during the transfer window so that they had at least some opportunity to think about what kind of squad they would want that said I think I'm hoping that she is able to put out a squad that beats Leicester 
and that plays effectively and that resolves some of the issues that we've been having. I also hope that she, for example, keeps playing Azzy and Karis at fullback rather than bringing Amy back. Because I think one of the things that we've found frustrating is that she doesn't seem to recognise what appears to be her best team. And obviously we've often said, well, it might be injuries that we don't know about. It might be these other things. But there are times when things seem really clear to at least those of us watching. And yes, we are not the manager. We do not know all of the implications of making these decisions, but there are some decisions it would nice it would be nice to see her make. So I'm not in a Rian out position yet, but I do think that her position has become more vulnerable. And at some point I could imagine the boards feeling like they don't want to be in a relegation battle. Yeah, this is what I was hinting at before when I was like, I have concerns about what happens if we have a bad run of games for like the next five games. It was that. And I don't really want to give it too much additional thought. So I'll just leave it at that. But again, this comes back to the preparations that the board are making, because if they're not making any preparations for that decision, then they need to keep with Rianne because we don't want to be in a position where we haven't got a plan in terms of who's coming in. If they have got somebody in mind who they think would be better, then they need to be clear about that. You know, they need to be clear in their heads about that. We don't, you know, we don't want to end up. And and I do, I do wonder exactly who there might be out there who we would rather have as manager. Um, it seems to me that that good quality women's team managers are not easy to come by. So I think we've got to be careful what we wish for and give Rianne the time that she needs. Given that we've got key players like Ria and Kit who have been out for an awfully long time. And also, you know, you've still got Kaya and Ellie who um, are also out for a, a long period of time. And, and so we have had those problems. But looks like next weekend is going to be a huge game for us, which means next week's pod is going to be very interesting. So you better come back next week and hear what we have to say about whatever it is that happens as we take on Leicester at Brisbane Road. Do come down and watch the game if you can. If not, it will be on the FA Player, I'm sure. So uh, make sure you watch the game so you know what we're talking about. We hope you've enjoyed our analysis and discussion of what's been going on in this first week back in the Women's Super League. Thanks very much for listening and let us know what you think on Twitter. (laughs) 